Welcome to day 83 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are 1 Samuel chapters 4 through 6. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Our three chapters for today are entirely devoted to the subject of the Ark of the Covenant. Chapter 4 recounts the capture of the Ark by the Philistines. Chapter 5 describes what happened to the Philistines while they had possession of the Ark. And chapter 6 narrates the return of the Ark to Israel. Chapter 4 opens with the report that the Philistines had come out to do battle with the Israelites, and so far the battle was not going in the Israelites' favor. In response, the elders of Israel decide to send for the Ark of the Covenant to be brought up from Shiloh to help them win the battle. Two problems seem to be present in the text. The first is subtle, the second a little more obvious. First, there seems to be a subtle tone in the text that the people have started to think of the Ark as a kind of talisman or good luck charm. Their confidence appears to be in the Ark itself and not in the God whose presence is symbolized by the Ark. The second and more obvious issue is that accompanying the Ark are Hophni and Phinehas, the two corrupt priestly sons of Eli. Again, as represented by Hophni and Phinehas, The people honor the ark, but not the God present above it. At first, the Philistines are concerned when they hear the roar go up from the Israelites and discover that the ark has arrived in the camp. They worry that the destruction Yahweh brought upon Egypt may be brought upon them too. Nevertheless, they muster up their courage and fight the Israelites with even more gusto. They not only defeat the shocked Israelites, but they kill Hophni and Phinehas and capture the ark itself. When Eli hears the news, he falls off his chair and dies. Thus, God's words of judgment upon Eli and his sons, spoken in the previous chapter to the boy Samuel, are fulfilled. To add even more symbolic weight to this event, the narrator tells us that the tragic news also sent Phineas's pregnant wife into labor. She dies, giving birth to a son. However, before she passes, she names this boy Ichabod, meaning, Where is the glory? Those reading this story later during the Babylonian exile, when God's glory left the temple, would likely see a foreshadowing of their own experiences of the departure of the divine glory in this tragic story. Chapter 5 describes what happened to the Philistines while they had the ark in their midst. The Philistines may have captured the ark, but they did not capture Yahweh. The story is not only instructive, but it is likely meant to be a little bit humorous. It even has a clear three-part movement, like a good children's story, like the three little pigs or Goldilocks and the three bears. The Philistines first take the ark to Ashdod and place it in the temple of Dagon. Dagon was an ancient fertility god whose name is associated to the ancient words for grain or rain, and he was also known as the father of the Baals. In the morning, when they looked in, they found the image of Dagon laying over prostrate in an obvious sign of subservience to Yahweh and the ark. They stood Dagon back up, but the next day found him not only fallen over again, but now with his head and hands broken off. In addition to knocking down Dagon, the unique presence of Yahweh began to afflict the people with tumors. If you look down in the footnotes of your Bible, it's likely noted that this word, translated tumor, is really difficult to translate and could mean, and maybe likely means, hemorrhoids. If this is the intended meaning, you can easily see the humor of this story for its Hebrew reading audience. 
The people of Ashdod want the ark to be gone. The people of Gath think they can handle it, but they get hemorrhoids too. So they send the ark onto Ekron, but the citizens of Ekron aren't stupid. They want no part of housing the ark of God. It is time to send the ark back where it came from. So chapter 6 opens by saying that the ark had been in Philistine territory for seven months. The use of seven, the number of completion, may be a way of saying that they had kept the ark as long as they could handle it. Time was up. The priests and diviners of the Philistines tell the people to send the ark back, but send it back with gifts. Apparently, there were five leaders in five main cities among the Philistines. So they tell the people to make five gold tumors to represent their affliction and make five gold rats to represent what they may have understood to be the source of infection that Yahweh used to afflict them. They also send the ark back on a cart pulled by milk cows instead of oxen. This appears to be a final test. If the Israelites' God wants the ark back, these cows, who've never pulled a cart before, will not only pull the cart with the ark and the gifts on it, but Yahweh will also direct them where they should go. The cows pull the ark straight to Israel, mooing all the way. We can only imagine how shocked the people of Beth Shemesh had to be when they saw the ark being pulled into their territory on a cart. The wood of the cart and the cows pulling the cart are combined as a convenient sacrifice to God. The presence of the ark does not bring curses on the Israelites like it did to the Philistines. However, God's presence is still not to be trifled with. Those who tried to look into the ark were struck down and they died. The people of Beth Shemesh decide to send messengers to Kiriath-Jerim that the ark had returned to Israel and maybe they should come and get it. These three chapters are sometimes simply referred to as the Ark narrative because of how neatly they tell the story of the Ark's capture and return. As I mentioned earlier, it's interesting to think about how the later exiles in Babylon might read this story. They too had lost the glory of God's unique presence, but that doesn't mean the glory will be gone forever. Nevertheless, they cannot control the presence of God or bring it back on their own. All they can do is be faithful and hope and pray that God's unique presence would come and fill their community again. The Ark Narrative is a wonderful story told very well. So read these incredible chapters carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions. And be careful to find your hope in God's presence and power, and not in the things that represent that presence and power for you. Our readings for tomorrow are 1 Samuel chapters 7 through 9, and we're adding Psalm 35. I'll talk to you tomorrow.